Hello and welcome to the Scarves Around the Funnel podcast with me, Laurie Dunsire, talking all things Heart of Midlothian with the man across the pond, Mark Donaldson. How are you? I'm okay. I'm, in terms of football, I guess I'm a bit miserable considering it's two days before Christmas when we're recording this and there's not much festive cheer when it comes to our topic of choice, which of course is Hearts. I'm hopeful next season the winter break can be from October to the end of January and then we'll be in a fine <laughs> position. And that would have been the case this year if we'd had the winter break at the end of October. It's this pesky timing that's caused all the issues. Yeah, we we, we won the league by September, so it's fine with that. But yeah, <laughs> Yes. The, the, the this set... is like, like, like the MLS, that was the regular season and this is the playoffs. We're kind of struggling in the playoffs. So we're struggling when it really matters, basically. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I told you, I said that, I sent you last week, this is just a hurry up and get through this, hurry up and have the winter break and hurry up and get people fit again. Because I have to say right now, it is kind of miserable. It certainly is miserable. And uh, talking of misery, we will have to go back over another disappointing Hearts result after they faced Aberdeen in their final game before Christmas. And as I say, there wasn't really much afterwards in the end to, to give us too much festive cheer, unfortunately. Although Craig Levine certainly felt that there was um, a reaction from the Livingston game. And I, I can certainly see where he's coming from in terms of there was maybe improvements and some positives in comparison. But overall, I think most Hearts fans will be fairly disappointed with how things panned out. Uh, so for, first things first, Mark, uh, Hearts went to Pataudry and we, we talked a lot about what they were going to do with the team, what Levine was going to do. He had to change things in terms of he had some enforced absences um, and he had some decisions to make in terms of who was available and who would get the nod. So in terms of the team, five changes in the end from the game against Livingston, which obviously Hearts lost 5-0, so I don't think many surprises that there was as many changes as this. Uh, Clevy DiCamona was out injured, Arnold June was suspended, uh, Bobby Slamal, Ben Garuccio and Callum Morrison were dropped. Um, in came Colin Doyle, Marcus Godinho, Ollie Lee, Sean Clare and Stephen Naismith. So I don't think there's much surprise uh, that Stephen Naismith was brought straight back into the starting eleven, despite the fact he'd been out for a couple of months. And in goals, Colin Doyle came in, and I think we kind of expected that as well. So first off, the the team that he set out, now we were all told it was going to be a 4-4-2 formation, which is uh, what was discussed in the press area, which is what was shared online. In the end, it turned out to be a back three. So Michael Smith reverted back to his sweeper role that... He'd kind of played uh, against Motherwell uh, with Haring back into a central defensive position, Berra the other side of him, and the wing-backs being Godinho and Mitchell. So in terms of the team, Mark, now obviously the team that we saw in terms of the formation was different than what it turned out to be. If you look at that team, I know you didn't quite catch the start of the game because of um, other commitments, but if you looked at that team, the kind of 3-5-2, however you want to call it, were you happy with that? Were there things in there that concer would have concerned you before the game? <laughs> this is, is something right now, and we, we speak about it every week. All, all we're doing is, is we're, we're kind of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic here. Um, because 
you, you kind of know what's going to happen. I mean, look, even with a full strength side, Aberdeen away is, is, is not an easy game. No. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, as far as the team is concerned we have what we have we're just changing them around every week and it's not as if suddenly someone's going to be world class and produce a world class performance the positives were obviously Stephen Naismith coming back um, for me I, I thought it was a no brainer we, we discussed it last week you had to change the goalkeeper because otherwise you're rewarding failure of someone that concedes five goals you asked me last week about the, the team I would have picked uh, for this game and it, it changed kind of slightly I didn't have McLean in the team but uh, you asked who I would have at centre-back alongside better and I said Haring if 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 Godinho wasn't fit because you'd have to play Smith at, at right back so Godinho played and he went with with kind of three at the back I was slightly surprised to see Haring in there um, I thought Lee and Bozanic did all right in midfield Jury's still out on, on Sean Clare Mitchell, for me, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've given him so many opportunities, as, as have many. I'd, Craig Levine said something afterwards um, about the red card being stupid and that if someone comes in to replace him and does well, then it could be a while before he's, he's back in the team. I don't think he can have any complaints because he's, he's not the same player as the one we had on loan last season. So, uh, uh, again, it's, it's like a, a constant weekly drone from us. We try and tweak things, we try and change things, but it is what it is. We have these players, they haven't really improved, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm conscious and cognizant of the fact there's a kind of negativity about my comments um, to start off with, and, and my tone of voice as well, but I'm just fed up right now. I'm just fed up with, with the results, and there was a Pine Bovril tweet, Premiership form, points last six. Aberdeen 15, Celtic 13, Kilmarnock 11, Rangers 11, Livingston 10, Hibernian 9, St Johnston 8, St Mirren 7, still no hearts, Dundee 5, Motherwell 4, still no hearts, Hamilton 4, hearts 4. That's not good enough. That's, that's the bottom line. We are not getting enough out of these players. We should not be bottom of the form table over the last six games with the players that we have. That's not good enough. No, and we, we spoke about last time that if Aberdeen did win, and obviously the end up was that they did win the game, that they would go six points ahead of Hearts. And when Hearts beat Dundee late October, they went 13 points clear of Aberdeen. So just in a Hearts-Aberdeen head-to-head, that's a 19-point turnaround, which is... Yep quite frankly ridiculous regardless of injury suspension or dips in form or whatever and, it's, and one win in ten is just you know it's it's appalling form however you look at it um, I mean if we break the game down a little bit we're not we're not going to go into the depths of everything but right from the start Aberdeen get a throw first minute thrown down the line Ollie Lee miscues his header Stevie May hooks a ball into the box and the big target man Sam Gosgrove nods it in, good leap, good header, but that was just, I, I mean, when your team is, is lacking confidence, you're at a tough away game, you've just, you're have just you on the back of a 5-0 drubbing, you've conceded all those goals in a short space of time at the end of the last game, surely what, what you're looking at doing is getting a foothold in the game, you know, try and get some kind of confidence back in your players, and you concede on basically bang on one minute, and it, it was such a simple goal. I mean, 
I think you can you can maybe criticise Lee to an extent, but it's not the end of the world. You miss Q header, it's still going out into the corner. It's just a simple ball hooked in, and Sam Gos- Cosgrove. It's a good. It's, as I say, it's a good jump. It's a good header. I don't think Colin Doyle can really take any blame for that. He, he dived across his goal. He couldn't quite get there. It was right in the corner. But to me, that was just like, oh well, day's over. It, it felt like that as soon as that flew into the net. I was like, well, bees well go home now. Pack up the bags. I'll be honest, I was commentating on, on Milan against Fiorentina yesterday. Lucky, I missed the first you. half. I know, I know, I know, I know. You said that before the game um, when you sent me the team. And I, on my way home, had the game on in the car, obviously. Um, it was the, the Aberdeen FC commentary on Hearts TV. Um, it was the pictures, but I was driving at the time, so I was kind of more listening than anything else. So, I... I I don't want to spend too much time with with my views because um, there's no point in listening to someone that hasn't really seen that much of the game. I saw the highlights or lowlights of the game. Um, we didn't deserve to win. My my concern would be, and I think we can we can kind of delve into this um, over the next maybe 20 minutes or so. My my concern is that it's kind of there's always moans and complaints, whether it's from Craig Levine or or, or others afterwards about. Oh, the big bad referee had it in for us. It should have been a penalty and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we lost 2-0. We deserve to lose um, that game. Might it have been different if the first penalty, I think it was, was awarded? Maybe, but it's becoming a bit like a broken record. And that sometimes a, the, the mea culpa attitude of... I get the whole preserve... Maybe he says something different in the changing room as he says to the press, because a lot of managers do that. They kind of protection. And you don't want to have a go too much at, at, at some of your players in, in public constantly, but it's getting a wee bit dull um, that it's always the same complaints afterwards. I know we've had bad times at the referees. Everybody does. But I think, to be fair, there's a little bit of a deflection tactic um, going on there, which I totally get. I, I, I totally get for Craig Levine. But it's it's just getting boring. Even, even the most... Um, sure hearts fan the, the the most loyal hearts fan is kind of must be saying to themselves you know what let's let's have let's have something to talk about on the pitch and, and let's not try and blame and, and deflect afterwards because it, it is getting a bit tedious Okay, well, I mean, I mean, looking at the game, and I think maybe one thing that Craig Levine's looking at here, partly I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate in this instance, is that if you compare what we saw out there for large spells against Aberdeen, it was maybe better than what we've seen for large spells in recent games. And now that's not saying that it was good, but we've seen very little maybe cohesive play from Hearts in, in recent matches, unfortunately. I thought after... A very shaky 15-20 minutes at the start, where Hearts looked very fragile. Aberdeen were breaking through without creating clear chances, but they looked like they were potentially going to break through and maybe get a second goal. After the opening 15-20 minutes, Hearts settled into the game a little more, and they actually started moving the ball around quite well, I thought. They were a bit more confident in possession. Now, there's still a huge issue with what we then do when we get to the final third of the field, because at no point did we ever look like carving Aberdeen open. Apart from maybe one instance in the 31st minute when we got a free kick, which was very well worked, and I guess if we're going to take one of the maybe few positives from Pataudry, was that we look like we're 
trying things with set pieces. Um, Ollie Lee and and uh, and Ollie uh, Bozanic uh, worked it quite well. Quick couple of passes between the Englishman and the Aussie into Stephen McLean, who I think his first his first touch just let him down ever so slightly, took him wide, and it allowed Joe Lewis to get in and make a a good block on the angle. The talking point from this, which is what Craig Levine spoke about afterwards, was the spot kick claim. Now you've not seen it, Mark, so I'm not going to. I don't think you saw it in the highlights, did you? So I won't go into too much depth with it. But it's a penalty, basically. Max Lowe kind of hauls down Naismith. The problem is, my eyes weren't drawn to that. My eyes were drawn to where the ball went, and it came into McLean save. And John Beaton might be in the same boat. It was the back kind of the back post area. Naismith was trying to spin the defender, make a run himself. He's active, I think. He's potentially could get onto a dummy by Stephen McLean, or if there's a rebound off the keeper, it comes back to him. So he's, he is involved in the attacking phase of play, so I think you would have to treat it as a foul. But as much as it looks like a foul when you watch the replay, if the referee is following the ball, I could see why he'd miss it, because I didn't see it at all when it first happened, albeit I'm quite a distance away in comparison. So I can see why that one might have been missed, but at halftime, 1-0 down, it wasn't, I suppose, curtains at that point. And uh, Hearts again started the second half reasonably well in terms of possession. Again, they were moving it around, trying to work into a dangerous position. But the problem again was getting into the final third. And then, the, I guess, the, the killer blow really was um, the penalty going to Aberdeen. There was a foul on Haring, what looked like a foul earlier on, which wasn't given. I said to you, Mark... I can see why it might have been given as a penalty, but it's in the, the soft category. I think Niall McGinn is the man challenging him. Hard to tell how much real contact there is or how much it's Niall McGinn's challenge that sends Haring down or if it's just the defender's momentum as he goes in for the cross. And then there's the Aberdeen penalty. Have you seen this one, Mark? Christoph Berra's reaction for me, kind of, it's like you've been caught. Now, it's... It, it, uh, it's, it's soft, and there's an angle from behind the goal, and I kind of thought, eh, I can't really argue too much with that. And it's one, it's one of these, if if we'd got it, you would have said, yeah, it's a penalty. So just because he's got a different jersey on doesn't change. I mean, isn't it weird how decisions go in usually the defending team's favour in the box? How many times do you see a kind of, referee whistle for a decision um, in, the, in the box and it goes the way of the defending team rather than a penalty awarded. And it's just kind of accepted. Whereas if the same thing happens the other way around, you're never going to get a penalty for it. So so for this, you can't just suddenly turn around and say, well, if it was a Hearts player, then it should have been a penalty. But if it's an Aberdeen player, it, it, it shouldn't have been. It doesn't work like that. And but the first instinct when you see it is, what's that being given for? But there is an angle I saw and I thought, yeah, fair, fair dues. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm basing that on that pure incident alone. Having not seen the, the, the two hearts incidents, I'm taking it in isolation. And my thought was penalty with that one angle. Okay. Uh, I don't quite agree with you. I think I don't think there's much in it. And I think the the, the touch from Bera doesn't look like it would be enough to really send McKenna down as he did go down. Um... No, no, but what, what I would say to, to this, and, and, and sorry for interjecting, is, is 
Christoph Berra is a key component and will be for the second half of the season. And he's very, very rarely played a poor game. From what I saw, and, and I went on Craig Fowler's um, things that he learned about that game when he was tweeting at 3 a.m. this morning. Uh, goodness knows how much um, festivities and cheer had been uh, had been drunk. <laughs> I dropped Craig Fowler off at Marco's in Edinburgh at about nine o'clock. So let's say okay. three. So he was probably what five hours plus of festivities. Yeah, so. I, 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 I can't argue with with anything. And he said Berra had one of his worst games in a Hearts shirt since he came back. Playing left of the back three doesn't suit him because of his passing limitations, but that doesn't excuse some of the defensive lapses. We expect Crystal Berra to be a seven or eight out of ten every single week. That's like expecting someone to wake up every morning and to be the happy person that they've always been. When they're not that happy person one day, you're like, what's wrong with you? When Christoph Berra drops to a five or a six out of ten, which is very rare, you're like, what on earth happened to him? So, I, I know what you're saying. And again, apologies for interjecting, but um, from, from what Craig said and, and the bits that I saw as well, it's nothing against Christoph. We all have our off days. It's just one of these days. I'm just, I'm just frustrated right now because I want it to be the Scottish Cup tie against Livingston. I want our players to be back. I want our players to be refreshed after a winter break. And I'm looking forward. It's hard right now to, to kind of look forward to the second half of the season. But I do see positives because right now, this has been a case of get your head down, get through it, get in the trenches and just, just try and come out the other side um, because it's not easy right now. And Christoph Berra didn't have the best game. Fine. But that is a rarity for him, because he is, is, is normally uh, one of the best players that Hearts have. OK, I, I want to run through a few things uh, about the game. Um, so, obviously, the penalty was dispatched, 2-0, um, and it was game over from there. So, just a couple of points. Um Goalkeeper, Colin Doyle, in goals. Didn't have much to do, to be fair, other than pick the ball at the net twice. Um, as much as Hearts didn't look like getting back into the game, Aberdeen didn't test him beyond the two efforts that went in. Um, he caught a few fairly routine crosses. So I think at this point, Mark, my opinion is you kind of have to keep him in, but just based on the fact that he hasn't done anything wrong yet. Yeah, an interesting point. Uh comment or a point that was made by the um, the Aberdeen guys on the commentary. And they're all friends of mine. I know them. I've worked with them for, for many years before I came over here. Uh, Andrew Shiny and Dave McDermott as well. I've got the um, utmost respect for them and what they were saying. And I've always found Andrew a very fair um, critique of football um, with both sides. And now I get the whole bias. We're all biased. And Hearts fans are going to remember that what would you rather have if you were overseas? Would, would you rather have kind of no pictures or pictures with the home team's commentary? Give, give me that all day long. You know what you're getting. And what they said about Colin Doyle was um, he looked nervy at times. And in their opinion, I don't know how much they've, they've seen as Lamal, they, they were like, he doesn't really have the best choice, Levine, in, in who his number one is. Um, and, and maybe they, they need to look to try and sign uh, a goalkeeper that will supplement those two. Um, I, I agree with you. If we're saying you, you've got to swap Zlamal because if you don't, you're basically rewarding failure for conceding five, you can't take a guy out after one game where 
I mean, the penalty, he pointed where, where he wanted it to go and then dived the other way. Okay, that's just tongue-in-cheek. But the first goal, I mean, he didn't really have much much of a, a, a chance with that one. So I don't think the goalkeeper was, was much of the issue. He certainly wasn't the biggest problem uh, on Saturday. No. And I, I mean, after, I, I, I like Andrew as well, and I think he is generally fair. I, I didn't think I saw much that would suggest that Doyle was overly nervy personally. Um, I just didn't see anything from him to suggest he's great or he's terrible. He just couldn't do anything about the goals and he didn't have much else taxing to do. He dealt with fairly routine crosses. I think Aberdeen did score a goal in the first half, which now I'm I'm one of these who always says goalkeepers get too much protection, but the Aberdeen goal, which was disallowed, which the Aberdeen fans um, raged about as fans generally do, even if the decision is obvious, was never a goal. There's a hand right across the face of Colin Doyle as the, the ball comes looping in. So uh, I don't think you could really blame him for that either. So yeah, I think at the moment he has to, to keep the shirt until something suggests otherwise. Uh, now, my next note here is something you've actually mentioned already, so I don't know if you want to go into it more, was Christoph Berra. Uh, apart from the Rangers game when he first came back, which he actually surprised me how ready he looked in that game because he was just throwing himself everything winning headers. He doesn't quite look himself yet, and I don't know if it's the just general confidence of the team, but certainly the last couple of games, he's looked quite shaky for for what you'd expect from Christoph Berra. And he, and he was poor yesterday, as you mentioned, and I'm sure he knows himself he was poor. Is this just, is it a bit of both in terms of, is it partly because he's been out injured for a while and partly because he's in a team which is just bereft of confidence? Yeah. Um, without wanting to hark back um, too often to what Craig was, was tweeting last night, he basically says this is a team that's confidence is rock bottom. doesn't matter who you are. You can be the best leader in the world. You're still going to be affected. And it does rub off. Again, I've got no issues whatsoever, no no complaints, no concerns about Christoph going forward. It's very difficult for a manager when his captain, um, when his mainstay of his team uh, says to him, I'm, I'm ready, I want, to, I want to play. Christoph's not a daft laddie. Christoph is a sensible um, man who knows his body and if he wasn't ready or if he felt, oh, I'm not sure if I play today, that might be me. For... He, he would say, look, I, I need a rest. He felt he was ready to come back. And remember, we played the three games in, in the week and he played in them all. That's the type of player he is. So, again, I can totally excuse the, um, the, the failings or the, the poor performance because he was by no means the only one. No problem whatsoever with Christoph going forward. It was just one of those days. Yeah, the irony is that I thought that of the three centre-backs, the man who was most composed and was most effective was Michael Smith. Um, I get that Peter Haring has been midfield for most of the season, has done well there generally, uh, but I actually thought it was Michael Smith who kind of stepped up and he's looked very comfortable. I, I don't think he's actually had a bad game at centre-back, um, albeit I still think he does look like a right-back. Uh, so I, I thought was I thought that was certainly a positive from the back line, especially with our central defensive problems at the moment in terms of injuries. Now another one, and my note basically just says Mitchell WTF. Um, <laughs> I know the first two words. I've got the. <laughs> I've got a fair idea what the third word is as well. And yeah. What's happened to him? And you and you mentioned that, that what Levine said. I was in that press conference and he, you could tell he was annoyed. And I, I was annoyed at the time because it, it didn't affect the result because at that point when he got the second yellow, the game was done. But in some ways that makes it more annoying because 
the Aberdeen player was in his own half. We were 2-0 down. The game was beyond us. And he just commits a straight up, straight, you know, a yellow card all day long. There's no referee is going to not give him a, a yellow card. And he, knew, he, he committed the foul and started walking off. Now suspended. Which, in all honesty, the way he's been playing probably isn't a bad thing. But why would you do that? You take yourself out of the equation for the next game. So we will see Garuccio in the next game, which I think Hearts fans will be pleased about. But yeah, I don't know what's happened to Dimitri Mitchell because although although he, defensively, I think he, we've I don't think we've ever sat even when he was playing well last season and sat and thought he's a terrific defender. But he was up and down the wing. He was generally looked a very talented player and certainly looked almost above this level. Not quite he's going to get a game for Manchester United level, but certainly above the level of a lot of Scottish Premiership players. But now, whether you're looking at attacking, defending, his all-round game, everything just seems to have disappeared. His passing, his positioning, his movement. He just... I, I don't know what's happened to him. And I don't know if it's just a confidence thing, but I can't believe that he's been getting ahead of Guruccio because I can't think of games where I've, I've thought Ben Guruccio was dreadful today. He's, I'm not going to say that he's always been fantastic, but I can't think of any really terrible games he's had. Whereas Mitchell, I can think of quite a few. And maybe we're being guilty here of picking a player when we pick our team every week who is being picked on past performances and not current performances. So so maybe we're guilty of, of that as well. Maybe we can't see the woods for the trees. I, I, I don't know. It's not the same player. And only he will know why. And I was thinking about this when, when I... I'd arrived home and I managed to catch the last 15 minutes fully focused as opposed to trying to drive and pay attention at the same time, which is never a good idea. So don't do it, boys and girls. Um, When he got sent off, I thought to myself, this is a guy who I never thought we'd get back for a second season. I was very excited when we did because we saw his capabilities. Now, granted, in, in, in fairness to him, he's not been played in the same position um, for a long period of time. Uh, he's been left back, he's been left mid, he's been left wing back. He had one game at right midfield, which was a wacky decision. I think that was the Livingston game at home, is that right? Yes, it was Livy at home. Yeah. Memory serves, yeah. So he's, he's, he's not been played, so maybe he could argue I've not had consistency of selection at the one position. But what, the, the thing I was thinking about when we got him back, this is a right chance for him. It's a win-win, because if he plays well, Hearts benefit, um, We'll not be able to sign him after that, but he'll then uh, probably get a decent move out of it because he's not Manchester United level. Uh, because, I mean, well, they've got a new manager coming in and, and I'm sure Oli Gunnar Solskjaer knows him, him well, but it's it's not um, something for next season that he's even thinking about right now. So Mitchell's future at Manchester United uh, is, is probably a no-go. But the win-win situation would be do well for Hearts and you may be you maybe stick yourself up a league from where you might have been um, at the end of your Man United contract. And if you stick yourself up a league to a better team, you get paid more than you might have done previously. So there was all sorts of positives. Now I'm thinking, with these performances, you're going to be lucky to get another contract at a decent team. And I'm not talking Premier League down south or Premiership up here. I'm I'm talking about uh, maybe a... middle championship side or a league top league one side. That's not what he wants. And and maybe maybe it's gonna kind of dawn on him now that 
if he continues to do what he's doing, the stupid red card and the lack of form, his career's going to suffer. So it's a big second half of the season for him as well. Stephen McLean. So we had Stephen Naismith back in the team, which I thought, although he clearly isn't quite up to speed yet, which is expected after being two months out. So there was a little bit of support for Stephen McLean in attack. Still didn't really get involved in the game. I know he had that chance, which he took a bit of a heavy touch and couldn't finish on the angle. For me, it just doesn't seem to be working. Naismith was quite busy around the park. He, He often had to drop deep to try and make things happen, but he was trying to link things up. I just don't know with Stephen McLean now. With Uchi Igpiezu going to be coming back by February, we anticipate, and with uh, David Vanacek coming in in January, I don't know if I see a future for, for Stephen McLean, bar a substitute if we really have to put him on or we're just playing out for a game, or if we really, really need a striker and we have no other option, which has been the case just now. I, I, I feel sorry for him. I think he seems to be a clever footballer, but... Very quickly in the last few months, I think his his stock has seemed to have diminished quite extremely. Yeah, think about what he was at the start of the season. We had Kyle Lafferty and he was behind him in the pecking order. And I know he played a few games as well, but I think it was last week or two weeks ago on the podcast we were talking about what he was brought in to do. He was brought in as a bit of experience. He was brought in as someone who would certainly be used in most games, but maybe predominantly off the bench. I think I said maybe 20 starts, 10 off the bench or 10 starts or 20 off the bench or something like that. And he, he's now someone who, for the second half of the season, I still think he'll be important. I still think he is clever that you can bring him off the bench, but he's not going to be a starter. And when everybody's fit, he, he, he never was designed for that role anyway. Um, whether you can play him, um, we've seen he can't play him as a lone striker. Can you play him off Naismith? Can you play him a little bit deeper? Yeah, I'm sure there are other roles for him. Um, for the second half of the season, but I don't think most of those roles are from the start. And one other thing I just wanted to... <laughs> I'm thinking, can we go, can we move on? Can we move on to positive things? And and I totally get where you're coming from as well. And and I, I think you should um, you should be applauded for, for trying to um, not resolve the issue, but not shirk any of the stuff that we don't really want to talk about. So so well done to you for, for that. <laughs> and that. That sounded so insincere. But I just want to talk about more positive things because I feel like I'm getting everybody down. I'm in a good mood today. I'm in a good mood today. I'm, I'm fine. It's just I'm, I'm desperately... I just want it to be in 2019. That's all. And when, when you have to keep bringing these things up. I get that. But, oh, it's, it's hard. It, it must be hard for Hearts fans right now as well, but there will be light at the end of the tunnel, trust me. Well, this this isn't necessarily a, a big negative to talk about yesterday in particular, although there might be some negative undertones, maybe overtones, actually. Um, so, youngsters. So, in terms of younger players we have, now we've been persisting with Stephen McLean. It's not been working. However you look at it, whether you think Stephen McLean has a, a future at heart, or he's a got a big part to play or not it's clearly clearly not been working so attack is in attack is my main focus with this so we've got the likes of Aidan Keena out on loan he's I think he's got three goals for Dunfermline he scored for the Colts he's got a very good goal against Ross County in the Ironbrew Cup 
Um, we've got Rory Curry out on loan, who's obviously back from injury. He's got five goals for East Fife in League One. Ewan Henderson's got three for Montrose in League One. Dario Zanata's got five for Championship side Alloa. And, I, I mean, not quite a striker, but someone who can play in an attacking role. Bobby Burns has been doing very well for a team, ironically, above us in the table now. Um, should we have maybe kept... I know they're out on loan at, the, at this point, so they won't have been available anyway. Should we have kept a few more of these players around and available? Because we've seen... No. No? No? No, no. No, because I would rather have uh, players playing regularly um, at a slightly lower level, but getting their confidence up. Because they'll be around the first team, and they'll be affected by the, the, the malaise if, if they're part of the squad. And, and, and I think... I think we can bring back the ones we want, but I'd, I'd rather have someone on loan than someone just warming the bench, not getting game time, maybe getting a couple of minutes at the end of the game. That does nothing. So I'm all for the whole loan system and, and getting these players game time. What difference would, would some of them have made? Well, yeah, they would have made a difference given the, the, the injury problems that we had, but you can't pick and choose. Uh, you can't play God with the loan system. It is what it is. The interesting thing for me is that I don't think we should turn our nose up at any of the, um, the, the the players and the level that they're at or the achievements they might have had because uh, when, who was it? It was Callum Morrison, was it Sterling? He got so much confidence from a run of game. They were desperately sad and annoyed when Hearts called him back because he was their best player week in, week out. And he's a better player because of that. And the players who've, over the years, gone out on loan came back you would like to think the majority of them better players when they had a successful loan spell. So, no, I I, I don't think um, that it was a mistake to send any of them away. For me, what will be interesting is to see who gets called back in January. I, I agree with you on the loan system. I think it's a much better way of doing things. I mean, I, I suppose it's, it's, it's very easy in hindsight to look at these things because of the players we've had out. Um, do you think then, okay, maybe I'll phrase this a different way, do you think if those players weren't out on loan? If Craig, would, would have Craig Levine tried something different with a, a Rory Curry or a Aidan Keena at some point? Well, if your auntie had balls, she'd be your uncle. Because <laughs> you, if, we're, if we're playing that game, there's only seven subs eligible um, to be selected, of which you can only pick three. Now, Harry Cochran and Anthony McDonald, I would think now for the majority of games, haven't even been among those seven subs. If they can't get a look in, then what chance of, of any of the others getting a look in as well? And I know they're different positions. I get that as well. But, no, I, I, I just... Of course they could have made some sort of, of, of a difference, but they might only have played three or four games. Someone like Kina has had a great experience playing for Dunfermline at a decent level, and he's, he's among the goals. He'll come back a better player. So I, I totally get what you're saying, but I'm sticking to my guns here. I think the correct decision was made. Because we, when they were sent out on loan, they were sent out on loan for a reason. Because they were nowhere near the first team. Not because of ability-wise, but because of the pecking order. Now, the pecking order changed, but you can't foresee that. You can't foresee the injuries that Hearts have had over the first half of the season. We're due a bit of luck in the second half of the season, and hopefully we get it.
Okay, let's move on. I know Mark doesn't want Yay! to talk. It's, it's Christmas after all. We don't want to talk about depressing subjects <laughs> too much. I've uh, got my team, by the way, um, and I know we're going to do that before the end of the, <laughs> the, the show. I have come up with a team. Last week's homework from Mark, I think it was. Mark Wells, was yeah. Co- yeah, well, thank you, Mark, was to come up with your best ever 11 um, from your first game to now. And of the players that you, you liked watching the most, your best ever 11. So I've, I've come up with that. So between now and the end of the podcast, I'm looking forward to reminiscing back to the good old days. Okay, well, well, let's start with that. We're, we're on that subject yes. now, anyway. So, um, I've come up with one for my team. So, um, let's have it. But let's hear it. Okay, so I've went a four-two-three-one. Gordon and goals. Okay. Just the best goalkeeper in my time watching Hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, left back Takis Fisas. And left back's a tricky one. As we have fair few good left backs. I've seen um, Gary Naismith was in there when I really was first going to Hearts games on a regular basis. Uh, Lee Wallace was a terrific player at left-back, I thought, for Hearts. But although it was maybe a short-term um, in terms of how long he was at Hearts, it was those two seasons. The first one was terrific, and I thought he was very good the second season as well, but maybe not. Uh, didn't have the longevity that Wallace had around Hearts. But for quality, I, he's probably one of the best technical players I've seen at Hearts in terms of just footballing ability attack is Fisas. I thought he was a really classy player. Left back Fisas. Right back um, for different reasons is a Robbie Nielsen because and right back's harder. We haven't had as many good right backs in my time as we have at left backs. Um, and Robbie Nielsen was nowhere near the same player as Fisas in terms of technical ability and I'm sure Robbie Nielsen himself will know that. But in terms of consistency and being a good defender first and foremost and being a really good servant for Hearts and just what he achieved at the club in terms of winning the cup, in terms of captaining the side, I thought he was just a terrific player all round for the Jambos, albeit not as maybe technically gifted as some others around him, but he made more maybe of what he did have. Uh, in the centre, this is another hard one, centre-backs. I've went with Stephen Presley and Christoph Bell. I've went. I've, I've gone, went with. Thank you. I do apologise. It's Okay. I've gone for Stephen Presley and Christoph Berra. Um, Presley is not the best centre-back in terms of footballing ability that I've seen at Hearts, but as a leader, his influence on the park, I don't think you can ever underestimate that. And again, what he achieved as well, obviously leading Hearts to the Cup, to second place in the league. Many people don't like how it ended. I didn't like it at the time, but we'll get over it, and I think he was still a great servant for Hearts. And As a leader, I think you You've got to have him in there. Best Hearts captain I've I've seen in my time. Um, his partner was a difficult one. Webster was a potential option because they were a really good partnership. But I went with Berra, especially first time around, I think, as a centre-back. He big, strong, terrific in the air. Not so much now, but back then I thought he had a good turn of pace for a centre-back as well, which is maybe what put him ahead of Webster for me because he could actually chase back quite quickly. I think Webster was a fair bit slower than what Berra was. Two midfielders sitting. I went with two different midfielders who often were vying for the same place. I went with Brelli and uh, Aguiar. Brelli, a great player to break up play, you know, combative, wins the ball, covers the ground, defends well, sitting in front of the back four. And uh, Bruno, because I thought he was a great ball player, sitting a little bit deeper, a deep line playmaker, playing passes, I thought they'd be good to have them together, mainly because then I can do an attacking three, which I've went of 
Colin Cameron, Paul Hartley and Rudy Scatchell. All three of those I thought were great in an attacking position. Now Scatchell got played left quite often. I always thought he was better in a freer role, slightly more central. He can drop out wide, he can maybe go ahead of the striker, but in that attacking three. And the same kind of goes for Hartley and Cameron, I think. Just having a bit of freedom for those three to maybe change position, to run behind um, behind the striker, to run ahead of the striker, to swap around. I thought that, I think, I don't know how a defence in Scotland would handle Colin Cameron, Paul Hartley and Rudy Scatchell all in their prime, supporting Mark de Vries. Mm. Again, a difficult decision. You know, Jan Kauskis, I think, was a very talented player, arguably technically a better footballer than Mark de Vries, but in terms of contribution and what I saw for them doing it for Hearts. I think Jankowski's had one terrific season. I didn't think he was that great second season. I think he looked like he lost interest. Whereas Mark de Vries had a, a few great seasons, especially the first two. He scored four against Hibs. He was unplayable at times in terms of aerial ability. And I think to have him as an option for crosses, for, you know, Nielsen Fisas getting forward or for uh, Bruno and Scatchel, Hartley with their delivery is one option. And just holding it up with Cameron, Hartley, Scatchel coming in behind him, I think that would be very difficult to deal with. So that would be my 11. It's a very good team. Tell me what you think of this one. Because I like this one. Niemi and Smith pushed Craig Gordon, but Craig, Craig between the sticks is one of the most talented goalkeepers I've seen in the flesh. A back four, Alan McLaren, Craig Levine, Stephen Presley, Gary Naismith. Midfield trio, Gary Mackay, Colin Cameron, Paul Hartley, and a front three of Rudy Scatchell, John Robertson, and John Colhoun. That would be pretty formidable. So defensive, talk, talk me through defence again, because Gordon, yeah, we agree on that. I think there's no much... Uh... I think Alan McLaren was, was, was someone who, when he first came through... Was, was just a Rolls-Royce of a defender. I remember him in 95 against Baggio when he was a bit older. Scotland played against Italy, uh, I think it was 95, at Ibrox. And he had him in his pocket. But obviously, he'd probably prefer to play him at centre-back. You could argue that this could be a three at the back with, with Levine and Presley. Levine was another one. Just such a good footballer. And had he not have had those two knee injuries, goodness knows where he would have ended up. I mean, Alex Ferguson's on record as saying that he would have loved to have signed them for Manchester United, but then he got injured. Um, that was around the time of the 1990 World Cup. Stephen Presley, again, I think out of the, the kind of three of those, uh, Presley's not the best footballer, but he's the leader. And I yeah. need a leader in there as well. Fisas, again, um, Fisas came to us and he was maybe a little bit past his best, but he was still outstanding. And, and Naismith... Um, started with us and got towards his best. So we might not have seen the best of, of Gary Naismith. We saw some right good stuff. I think Everton got some some really good things from Gary Naismith. But again, if I've, if I've got to take a choice between Naismith and, and Fisas, even second prize would do me. But I'm going to go for Naismith. And by the way, right back, you're right when you say that it's a position that we've had steady players over the years. I was always a fan of Walter Kidd. Again, never the best footballer, but you knew what you were getting with him. Um, and he was a nasty bastard. And I think we need that because <laughs> my concern about this team is that we might ship a few goals because, to be fair, we've got six players 
that would love to get forward and support, plus the two fullbacks. So we might not have much protection for poor Levine and Presley at the back, uh, but I think it would be fun to watch. So Gordon, McLaren, Levine, Presley, Naismith. Gary Mackay was the heartbeat of the side. And I remember in the 85-86 season, he, he scored against Clyde Bank um, when we needed to score more, but he got the goal that, that gave us the points. Um, and... It wasn't to be. We drew with Aberdeen on the Sunday. I think it was the 20th of April. Um, but he, he was just one of these players, Gary, who he was excellent. He was excellent. I, I, I'm pretty certain he played the through ball for Wayne Foster at Easter Road. He was just Mr. Hearts. And again, we need that in the team. Cameron and, and Hartley, once Hartley was moved from right midfield, because he played there at St. Johnston, and, and I think it was Jim, uh, Jim Jeffries, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that moved him more centrally. Uh, that, that's a formidable midfield trio. Again, how much tracking back they do, I don't care because it doesn't matter who we're up against. This is, this is the best players that, that I can want in my 11. And then a front three. I just love John Colquhoun. He was my, my hero, my heart's hero has always been John Robertson. But one of the most fun players to watch for me with the, the shirt tucked out tucked out the shirt hanging out wasn't tucked in the socks around the ankles just completely disobeying the flesh shin guards nah whatever just brilliant to watch you wanted to be well I, I couldn't because I was a big lumbering kid but you wanted to be John Colquhoun uh, crossing and you wanted to be John Robertson finishing Robbo's a, a no-brainer every team uh, should have Robbo if you've ever seen him play and, and again, with you, I'd probably have Scatchel on the right. I don't give a toss about defending. I'd give him a free <laughs> roll. I'd let him do what he wants. And I just, I love those. Those 11 players, for me, were fun. My subs would include Niemi and Smith. I mentioned that for the goalkeepers. Uh, Tepe Moylan and just missed out, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, Tepe. Fisas, Fulton, McPherson, Frail. Stephen Frail was another one at right back. Always steady. Um, always enjoyed Stephen Frail in a Hearts jersey. Sandy Clark. We'd run through brick walls. I could go on, but those, those are my 11 with the special mentions um, to, to, to the subs. But I, I love that lineup because it's, it's reminiscing, it's flair, it's fun, it's creative, it's passionate with Presley and it's Mr. Hearts and Gary Mackay. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with those 11. What about some of the entries that we've had from elsewhere? Uh, well, Stevie Morris gave us one. He went with Gordon and Goals, which is going you know, to be fairly consistent. Fisas, Webster, Presley, Jardin, uh, Cameron, Flogo, Scatchel, Busby, Cahoon and Robertson. So, uh, I mean, I can't really comment on the likes of Busby uh, or Jardin. They're before my time, but interested to see Flogo getting in there. He's another one who I considered, but and I don't know if you maybe did as well. My problem was I don't know where to put him because no. he started as a he started as a striker, he dropped it in midfield, and he kind of ended as a right back. Good player though, he was. really, really good player, and a lovely, lovely man as well. But the, the, the whole thing with this is just total subjectivity. There isn't a right answer to it, but you can have a lot of fun picking. You certainly can. So give us some more. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out on Twitter actually. Um, after this podcast is released, so uh, hopefully get some more entries in. So yeah, your lifetime best eleven, the homework that was given by Mark Wells. So from your first Hearts game up until now, what are the best players you've seen? The best eleven you can make of the players you've seen. 
and uh, the reasons why if, if you want to give us those as well so that's at around the funnel on twitter or email podcast at scarves around the funnel dot co dot uk so moving on mark uh, i think to close before we we finish up for christmas quick look ahead so hearts have two games coming up very quickly they've got hamilton on boxing day at tyne castle and then the big one hibs at easter road now, with it being this time of year, and obviously with two games in a week, we'll probably do a review of both these games next week. So, looking ahead, this has been a very difficult period for Hearts, and suddenly the league table is extremely congested, and Hearts are only you know a few points ahead of dropping down to eighth if things don't go their way over the next few games. Hamilton first up. Um, now, for me, this is... A must win if ever there is a must win if we if we don't beat Hamilton at home then our problems run even deeper than what we already think um, I think we need a win in this and I think we don't just need a win like we scraped against Motherwell recently I think we need to go out there and we need to give the Hearts fans I think something which shows that there is still something about this team give them an entertaining and resounding result to be honest no excuses it's 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 three points and it has to be. It can't be anything else, because if it's not, then maybe the problems are even deeper than, than we think right now. This is the game that sets you up for the Hibs game. This is the game featuring right now a team rock bottom in confidence. This is when this changes. This is what it should be. This is a game where if you get an early goal, you get the crowd behind you. You could have a fun day, and that could set you up for the Hibs game. You don't get an early goal. You're not going to have a patient home crowd. And I don't think they deserve a patient home crowd. There's no point in saying be patient to us. Hearts fans will see what they see. If they see effort and lots of chances, and, and maybe they don't go in, they'll be patient. But if they see slow build-up, short passes, we need to try and force this issue. We need to try and get forward quicker with passes. We need to try and get shots on target. We need to get the confidence up. We need to have Naismith and Berra leading by example. I refuse to think of anything else but a hard three points and a comfortable victory, which, if that's the case, would be the perfect setup for the Hibs game. I'm looking ahead to the Hibs game, so I'm not going to get bogged down in formations and who we're going to play and how we're going to play in terms of Hamilton. I think it's important that we just go out there and we... We give the Hearts fans a good victory um, and we'll leave the rest to, to Craig Levine and we can obviously pick over the bones of it afterwards. But Easter Road, now this is going to be an interesting one because Hibs generally have been struggling like Hearts. Now, they obviously managed to salvage a point at home to Livingston, a, a Livingston team who seem to be thoroughly enjoying playing uh, their nearby competitors in, in Edinburgh. Um, but they had that really good win against Celtic, which I suppose is their one shining light at the moment. It was a convincing win against Celtic. They outplayed them from start to finish. And this is a ground which we've struggled at for, I think now we've got one, two, three, four, five, six games without a win there since Callum Patterson's double back in 2014 and the season hearts went down and it's five defeats in a row at Easter Road. How do we stop the rot in terms of our trips across the city? I think a lot depends on the Hamilton game. Seriously, because I don't see Hearts taking anything from Easter Road if they don't get all three points against Hamilton. 
I think they have to go there with confidence, not so much restored, but improved. And I've, I've commentated, as, as you have as well, at Easter Road, and I've gone into that thinking, we've got no chance today. And I think we would, uh, I would think that way as well if we didn't meet Hamilton. However, I would also say that you and I have gone to Easter Road and commentated on games that we thought we've got no chance, and we've won. Or we've produced performances that we're thinking, where did that come from? You've got a whole, I think we've got the right manager in charge for a game against Hibs. I think with Naismith back and, and Berra back as well, um, I'd be optimistic. The, the one thing I would say is discipline for that game. I, it depends on what side of the fence you're on with regards to Naismith and the involvement in the incident at Pataudry on Saturday. Could he have been sent off? Yeah, he, he could have been. Uh, he wasn't. But we've got to ensure we keep our discipline in that game. So how do we get something from it? Well, first of all, we take three points against Hamilton. And, and, and secondly, we don't allow them any time or space on the ball. Because I don't know what Hibs team's going to show up. They can be really good like they were against Celtic, or they can be horrible against some of the other teams that we've seen. We shouldn't need to worry about them, though, because it should be about what we do. And we've got to make sure that we're totally committed because, as you say, it's been too long since we came back from Easter Road with a positive result. Would Hearts fans take a point right now? You know what? Probably, yeah. However, let's go for all three. And I think we'll only get all three if we, if we beat Hamilton. I think it'll be very hard to go there and get a victory if we don't. OK, well, let's hope Hearts can pull something out the hat and get six points from six. It'll be interesting to see how things pan out. Uh, over Boxing Day and the 29th and then obviously we're into the winter break so we'll be back next week to discuss what happens in those two games so it's been a bit doom and gloom this week we've got Christmas to look forward to not in a football sense but in terms of uh, unwrapping presents and uh, enjoying your Christmas dinner Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to feel in a week Mark (laughs) are you are you feeling any optimism that this time next week when we're picking over the bones of the Derby and the Hamilton game that we'll be in a different frame of mind? Honestly, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I, the wait has been too long for for a win at Easter Road. I think Hearts at their best are capable of going down there and getting all three points. <sighs> Would I take a point now? Right. Okay. Give me four points. And I'm happy. That, if Santa says four points, you can take it or you can open the box to see what might be. I'd take the four points right now. But that has to be three points against Hamilton first. Fingers crossed. Am I confident going to Easter Road? No, I'm not. Um, but I'm, I'm a Hearts fan. I'm always optimistic. It's stupid optimism. But hey-ho, it's the last podcast before Christmas. If I've got one request from Santa... It would be for two wins. I don't think we'll get them, but that would be what I'd ask Santa for against Hamilton and against Hibbs. Over to you, big lad. Okay, one thing. If we are talking about zero points from six in a week, how... how... <laughs> Christmas, Christmas forevermore is cancelled. <laughs> Serious questions. Z- z- zero, zero from six? Serious questions to be asked? For, uh, oh, so... yeah. Of course, but that's not going to happen. Okay. Okay. It, it I, won't I, happen. I like your Yuletide optimism. So well, I, I look, given, given the first half hour of this podcast and the way I was, 
I think I'm owe everybody some optimism because I was I was a bit I was a bit negative and a bit down with the looking back on the Aberdeen game and, and the malaise that's set in right now. We need to change that. So I'm gonna I'm not gonna think about zero zero points from six. Oof, there'll be a mutiny. Let's not concern ourselves that. Let's reconvene next week and and let's hope we're in uh, we're in a better mood um, when we start next podcast. Okay, that just about brings us to the end. Um, Merry Christmas to everyone who has tuned in and uh, hopefully we'll have some uh, better news and and better results to review for you next time. Thanks to Ian uh, White for his uh, submission to the competition, which was the winning one as well. Uh, He had his Hearts Taxi board game delivered to him just before Christmas. So thanks to Ian for that. Hopefully he enjoys the prize and thanks again to the uh, makers of the taxi board game for supplying that to us. Uh, so again, thank you, Mark, even for your, even the pessimistic side of you that started the podcast. Um, and I hope you enjoy your Christmas. Thank you. Everything will be fine. It'll all there work out in the end. It'll all work out in the end. Just be patient. No, no quotes for you to end this week, but just have a happy Christmas, everyone, and uh, enjoy your football over the festive period. Merry Christmas all. Goodbye. Goodbye.